Welcome to 2024 and Beyond the Sermon. Today we have three Sundays, three pastors, one Jesus. And we have our first ever live audience. Welcome, Rachel. Hi. So here she is. She's a long-time listener. I am a long-time listener. I follow you every Tuesday and Thursday, so I'm excited to be in the studio. Although you're not in the uh, Starship Enterprise. No, and I already already told David that. Yeah. But... He offered, I, but then I'd have to do the flashy buttons, and the only one I really know how to do is the crickets. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to 2024. So <laughs> the only thing that is unchanging as the new year has ticked over is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He is the same today, tomorrow, and and as always has been, will be. And so we, we give thanks for that. Um, I think there is a method to our madness for our show for today. Yes, there is a method to our madness. So we have three different Sundays. So we had a, a lot of options for on New Year's Eve. We could preach on the first Sunday of Christmas, which was me, or we could preach on the New Year's Eve text. And in the new lectionary 2021, you have three different texts to choose from, three different groupings of texts to choose from. And Dave, uh, Dave Endorf was working on the circumcision of Jesus, so we'll do that first. We'll have Jesus circumcised, and then we'll have Jesus dedicated. That's my text. And then we'll have Jesus um, you know, doing his work in Luke 12 with Will to close out the show today. So without further ado, Dave, uh, lead us in your text, please. Okay. So Galatians three twenty three to 29. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came, that we would be justified by faith. Now this is, now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So as we take a look at this, um I, I started out by asking the the common uh question from from motivational speeches are are you committed like the chicken or like the pig because the the chicken is committed to breakfast a little bit because they donate eggs the pig is committed to breakfast completely because you know they they die <laughs> and, and 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 this is kind of what we, we normally expect uh, expect to get is this kind of encouragement to put ourselves completely into things to 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 do all of our best and and work hard and and to focus on our ourselves because that's that's our opinion of the law and. And, and so I, I talked about our opinion of the law, and, and that was my law section, you know, really ultimately self-righteousness, that that's our, our attitude towards the law, that we can do it ourselves. And that that was what was afflicting the Galatians at the time was uh, Judaizers who, who would talk very good about Jesus being the way of salvation and, and doing everything for you to get to heaven right after you were circumcised, right after you became a Jew, and and how deceptive that could be. Um, and, and that they misunderstood the, the purpose of the law, and that there's really two ways that we we go with the purpose of the law and misunderstanding it. We either go with, you know, we have to do this in order to be saved, or we 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 think that God just sort of gets rid of the law entirely, just ignores it, um, as if he's a lawbreaker or he's corrupt. Um, 
but the reality is that Christ fulfilled the law in our place. And that's what we see with the circumcision of Jesus, that, you know, the law was given at Mount Sinai. And so he's talking specifically about the Mosaic law here to watch over the, the Old Testament Israelites. We see that in a couple of ways with circumcision. Uh, and, and two of those ways were that it was a sign to every male that, you know, they were a part of God's plan of salvation, that Abraham's seed would would come and be the Savior. And so they had that continual reminder that I'm a part of God's people. I'm a part of all of those promises God gave to Abraham. And then it was also a reminder um, when they were temp temp tempted <clears throat> with the, the ritual prostitution, hey, hey, don't do that. And and so you, you see in the economy of God uh, how how he did protect his people, how he had this guardian of the law for them. And, and that I'm sure there's many different ways that I haven't thought of that, that this helped God's people. But then ultimately, it's in the fulfillment of Christ, you know, that, that his parents took him at eight days old to be circumcised and that this is something that God from eternity had already arranged to do perfectly because he wanted to save us because he knows that we are self-righteous and and that we run away from him to our own works and our own efforts and so god fulfilled the law in our place and so we are forgiven and washed clean and and that means that you know god has already taken care of everything. So at this time when um, everybody is trying to make resolutions, as believers, we get to approach it as people who know that the law has been fulfilled in their place. And, and what does that mean? That means that you know, we get to celebrate you know, even the small successes the, the way Jesus does. You know, and so you look at, at Judgment Day, and he says, you know, whoever gives even a cup of, of cold water to one of these little ones in my name, you know, look at what God says about that, you know. And so we don't have to make these giant promises and, and, and put this giant weight on ourselves when God says, hey, look at how valuable even this little thing is. And so we get to rejoice even in these small things and, and be thankful for even in these small things in our lives. Because we already have the righteousness of Christ. And so we get to keep looking at those things and producing those fruits and more and more because those are all valuable. And, and then, too, we get to say no to the busyness of this world because we know of God's continual care. You know, do we have to read 100 books this coming year? might be nice and, and maybe it's something you want to do and if you do good for you but is god still gonna love you and take care of you if you don't read a hundred books in the coming year yeah and, and so we can put aside all of those pressures and worries and concerns of this world and and this is the joy of having a God who fulfilled the law in our place that, you know, we have to deal with the daily grind, which can be, you know, hard enough as it is, you know, because we have to pay bills, we have to take care of, you know, we have to make food, we have to feed kids, we have to, you know, take care of parents who are sick, we have to take care of our responsibilities and, and, and so God comes to us gently as a, a loving father who sent his dear son to fulfill the law in our place. And so when God talks about you know, being freed from the law, this is what he, he means, that we now have this relationship with God where he is our heavenly father who sent his son to fulfill the law in our place, and he has made us an heir to eternal life. 
so that we get to deal with everything in this world in that sure and certain confidence. Very good. Yeah. So did you, and maybe this wasn't in the purview of your sermon, did you deal with or touch on, um, you know, which part of the obedience to the law um, Christ's circumcision was? I did not. No. You mean active obedience versus passive obedience? Right. Right. Um, yes. I did not. <laughs> and and so the, the active obedience is... He allowed you know, it. Christ, <laughs> is Christ <laughs> actively um, obeying the law to to have to do everything in our place. The passive obedience is Christ suffering the punishment for sins in our place so that we both have the righteousness of God from his active obedience and we no longer have the punishment for sin because he passively suffered it in our place. And ultimately, even though the terminology kind of breaks down, you know, this would be his active obedience. Okay. Yeah. Um, it so is there's in, a it, lot of things I didn't. Yeah. I, it's the interesting because, you know, God created that body and he created that foreskin. And here Jesus submits himself under God's law, says, I don't need to give up that foreskin, but for your sake, I will. And ultimately, you think about how humiliating that is to submit to the law in that way. You know, I, I don't need a sign of that covenant. I don't need a continual reminder of of God's love or a continual reminder of the covenant that I need to obey. I am the covenant. I am the son of God. But he set it up from eternity that it would be there eight days after his birth because he humbled himself to be born of a virgin, to be born under the law. Well, and it's an amazing thing to think about in the sense that um, <clears throat> Jesus even as uh, eight days old, could have still not done it. When you think, well, it's the parents who who bring the child. I mean, the child's eight days old. What is the child going to do? Well, that child is Christ. He could rip open heaven and say no. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I was there when That's God really made that, yeah. and yeah, I kind of like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in fact, you know, um, that was my idea. <laughs> right but, but I mean, it's one of those, it, it is it is one of those things when you when you really think about it and you think about the act of obedience of christ you know there's at any step in any step you know jesus actively obeyed all of the laws including this one even at eight days old when we would think this and, and there is a part and and i'm glad that you the reason i asked the question is is i wanted to have a kind of the discussion because I think a lot of us would look at this and say, this is something done to him. Right. And they would say that this would be his passive obedience, um, that this is him suffering for sin, but circumcision wasn't a suffering for sin. It was a, it was a law putting you into uh, the covenant and into the promise. Uh, and so now you're established in that gift. Um, and so he actively did these things even at eight days old, which is a, complete baffling thing for us to, to come to terms with. So, but a beautiful thing. Yeah. 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 Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think then when it comes to the, the parts of the text that I, I did not cover, um, you know, I, I focused a lot on the law being our guardian. Uh, I didn't really talk about what it means to be justified by faith and, and the role of faith in our salvation that we trust or go into, you know, 23, you know, how the, the coming of this faith and locked up until the faith that would come. Because what, what Paul is doing here is, is really trying to help the Galatians to transfer from you know, the, the old covenant of the Mosaic law to the new covenant, which is a, a one-sided covenant of, of Christ, that they are forgiven 
that this is now something where they they trust in because of what Christ has done for them. Um, Isn't that almost an Abrahamic covenant? That that you're going from the Mosaic covenant, which is is really a, a bilateral covenant, to the Abrahamic covenant, which is God working on your behalf solely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Where the the smoke and or the right. the torch and the smoking fire pot go through the yeah, and and so it's a continuation then of how God had always intended to work that it was always his work, always solely God's work for our salvation. Um, but there's so much in that that, that it, it's hard to fit into a, a, a sermon. Um, you had 45 minutes, didn't you? I did. Actually, service ended up being really short, so I could have put a lot more into the sermon than I, I did. And I, I think this is where, you know, just talking about the nature of faith is a good thing, especially in today's society, because in today's society, we kind of look at faith, or at least society talks about faith as being kind of this belief in spite of what the evidence says, or even when there is no evidence. And that's exactly contrary to the way the Bible talks about stuff. You know, faith is Jesus came and died for your sins. And because God has already done this for you, he has proven himself worthy. So when we look for to the future, we trust that this God who is worthy of trust will do what he has said. And so we have evidence, we have a solid foundation for the fulfillment of those future promises. That's what faith is. That's what we trust. That's what we rely on. And and that's what Paul is talking about here. You know, this faith has come, and because it has come, because of what Jesus has accomplished, you know, you have something else. You aren't a you don't need a guardian anymore. You have Christ. And that that that's something to rejoice in and to be thankful for. And so why, why you idiot Galatians, are you letting yourselves be <laughs> circumcised? Yeah. Um, and then too, the role of, of uh, being baptized into Christ and, and clothing yourselves with Christ. You know, what does that mean? You know, that means that we live in the righteousness of Christ, that we get to, get to always say, I am perfect, I am holy, I am righteous for his sake because of what he has done for me. And that's an um, amazing way to live and a, a wonderful answer to the, the shame that we feel when we deal with guilt. Um, it's an amazing answer to the fear that we have when when we look at this world and the, and the problems of this world, and of course to the guilt that we have, that we we know we are guilty because we did it, and we know we did it, and we have a conscience that tells us we did it. But I am baptized into Christ. Yeah, <clears throat> and then that that just the joy of that baptism is God now sees Christ instead of me. No, there's the, because I still did it, <clears throat> like you said, right? The law still condemns, and so my my nature still has not changed, but what God sees has changed. So, yeah. Well, and and I think I, I think when we talk about our nature hasn't changed, you know, we do have that new man. In us. Oh, I'm not saying something else yeah. hasn't been created, but the the, yeah. the true the nature of of who we are as sinners has not changed. We're we're still sinners, <clears throat> and we we kind of battle that now, right? There's that war. Yeah. God doesn't God God doesn't just take the template of what was there and then say I'll just fix it up. <laughs> you know, he, yeah. he he recreates something new. So, yes, 
but that old is still wanting to bob up from the depths and fight back. And so isn't it Luther who says daily, daily drowned your sinful nature in the waters of your baptism? Yeah. Remembrance of baptism, meaning of baptism for our daily life. Sure. Sure. That a new person should daily arise. If only the circumcision could cut the head off the sinful nature. That would be nice. Anything else, Dave? <clears throat> um, well, along that line of of the, you know, there's a reason he refers back then to Abraham at at the end of this, you know, in, instead of Moses. You know, because Abraham came before Moses. And, you know, he does want to point out, you guys are focused on Moses, which is great, but who came first? Who was more important? Abraham. Abraham was the one who received the first covenant that we trace ourselves back to. And so if you really want to be Jewish, if you want to really want to be a, a Judaizer, who should you be going back to? Not Moses, but Abraham. And with Abraham, it was that one-sided covenant. And so there's a reason for that in verse 29. That can open up an entire can of worms in the discussion that um, many people are having today, <clears throat> which we will have to save for things that we learned in 2023. <laughs> Stay tuned for Thursday. <laughs> Okay, I also didn't get a chance to talk about verse 28 and what it means that there's neither Jew nor Gentile, but maybe we should go on to somebody else. (laughs) Again, things we learned. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's switch gears to Jesus no longer being eight days old, but now 40 days old, and he is going to the temple to be be presented by Joseph and Mary. And they see... uh, um, Simeon and Anna. So that's the first Sunday after Christmas. That's what I was preaching on. And the three lessons that Sunday, you had Solomon uh, dedicating the temple. God dwells in that temple. And then you had the, the sad, the hope of Solomon that God would dwell in that temple forever. But then the, re, the sad reality that the people broke that covenant. And so therefore, um, and they were unfaithful to God. So therefore that <laughs> that dwelling was destroyed. But then in the gospel lesson, you have Jesus dwelling among men that um, among sinful men, and right before uh, Herod comes and kills a bunch of babies, you know that it's going to demonstrate just how sinful they are. Uh, they go to the temple. Simeon reminds um, Mary and reminds us that this savior would be the one that would bring peace on earth, but then also a sword through her own heart. But the text that I preached on was on Colossians chapter three, twelve to seventeen. And Colossians chapter three, can you see? Yeah. Okay. Very good. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 to 17. Colossians is one of my favorite books. And, you know, Galatians is up there. Romans is up there. Colossians is up there for me as well. And this is a great sanctification text talking about the dwelling of Christ within us uh, through the word and the, the, the sacraments. But here Paul says, Therefore, as God's elect, holy and loved, clothe yourself with heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive each other if anyone has a complaint against anyone else. Forgive just as Christ forgave you. In addition to all these things, put on love, which ties together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ control your hearts, to which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. In everything you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Uh, This is the text that I preached on. I began the sermon by talking about... um, resolutions and how oftentimes our resolutions are not really a resolution at all, but really something that we want. You know, I want to lose weight. I want to exercise more. I want to spend more time with my family. But a resolution by its very core is a change of the inner, inner person. Like you're going to, you're going to be a different person now. You're going to resolve to be different in the coming year in one way or shape or the other. And I said, this is great because then we can talk about repentance, which is essentially the same thing. God creating in us, a resolve that fights against uh, the resolve that is existing there with our sinful nature, which always wants to uh, reassert itself and lead us away from Christ. 
and so the sermon theme was the peace of Christ gives you the new you resolve. So the new you was the new person that God has created in your hearts through uh, the word or through the word plus water and baptism. And uh, then the peace of Christ was one of the, and I could have talked about any of those things in there, those uh, gospel indicatives in there, but I chose the peace of Christ and I'm not sure I did a fair enough job because I was trying to cover the rest of them as well. Um, but again, I love this text because it is a good uh, sanctification preaching text because you have these gospel indicatives, that is these declaration, this is who you are uh, because of Christ. And then therefore now this is how and uh, how you are to live as God's children. And so the, the motivation for doing the, the how comes from who you are, from this declaration that God has made. And so um, I began the sermon by reminding God's people that this text isn't for people who are going to be converted or to, for people to wonder if they are converted, but these are people that are God's elect, holy and loved. How do they know that they're elect? Because the gospel has been preached to them um, because they, uh, and that's, that's how they know that God really wants them to be in heaven. They're holy. They're set apart. God set them apart at their baptism. God set them apart by having them hear the word of God, uh, Christ in their lives and love, agape, John three sixteen. God so loved the world, that's you, um, that he gave his one and only son for you that you would live. So this is all of these gospel indicative. This is who you are. And now he says, clothe yourself with heartfelt compassion. And then uh, I use that picture of clothing, putting the clothes on, talked a little bit about compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, and how these are not your typical virtues that people in America would want. You know, who wants to be humble and gentle and patient and kind and show compassion? We want the self-asserted stuff. Uh, we want the uh, um, have a backbone and, and have conviction kind of stuff, but this is not that at all. This is Christ, um, how Christ was filled with compassion, kindness, humility and gentleness and patience. So the law in the first part was, do we really want to put these clothes on? And, and just addressing the sinful nature inside of each one of us who recoils at the, at the thought that God wants us to be compassionate toward people who are like the good Samaritan to his greatest enemy and, and nursing his wounds or kind, um, providing something for someone else uh, who needs it or humility, um, considering others not as pawns on a chessboard that you could use uh, to your benefit, but also consider how can I serve these other people that are around me uh, like Christ did, um, and gentleness like Christ, and patience. Who wants to wear these these clothes? And so that was the law, the conviction of our sinful nature, trying to uh, identify it when in that fight that's going to be in each person who hears these words and, and has that inner battle already of the sinful nature reasserting its resolve and saying, no, you don't want to be these things. And then a reminder, uh, you are these things because this is uh, who God has made you. God has set you apart. God has loved you. God has uh, had the gospel preached to you, had the Holy Spirit work faith in you. Um, then as I went along, um, we I said consider why you need these clothes because all of these things that he talks about not has nothing to do necessarily with our relationship with God, but our relationship with others, you know, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other as Christ has forgiven us. So that would be uh, the the Matthew 18 uh, forgiving, not just, you know, letting things go and not uh, talking to our brother or sister in Christ, or as Christ often did, uh, forgave people who uh, were did, didn't uh, ask for that repentance, such as when he's on the cross, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Um, so... Uh, love, obviously. We, we need love, uh, that unconditional uh, agape love, wanting what's best for your neighbor. Um, that's something that your neighbor needs. Then I, I focused on the peace of Christ, control your hearts. So the uh, um, what I liked about that is the reminder is, 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 is you're, as an individual, if you're saying, okay, I have to show compassion to one of uh, to someone else, or I have to show humility, like this is somebody I can serve. How does the peace of Christ motivate me to be those things? The the reminder that no matter what happens to me, that my 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 Savior loves me, um, that my Savior is going to provide for me and watch out for me and do what's best for me. That moves me then to be humble, or gentle, or patient, or bearing with somebody else, or showing kindness to somebody else. But then at the end of the day, you go, well, did I do enough? Did, 
is this am I really wearing was I really wearing Christ's clothes today? Did I did I, I and then you and you're and if you're going to look to the law, you're obviously the law is going to convict you and say you didn't do enough. There's no way you were like Christ. You 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 claim that you were wearing Christ's clothes that doesn't even look like Christ. The peace of Christ, uh, the peace that we have, because Christ did all of that for us. We're wearing His clothes. We're not. It, it's not. Uh, it's clothes He has laid out for us. Clothes that He has put on us. Clothes that He has folded and cleaned for us. Uh, peace. We have peace with God. That this has not has this, our life of sanctification has no bearing on our life of justification. In that uh, we are justified, forgiven because of what Christ has done, not what we do for our neighbor. And then. Uh, then at the end, it was a really good segue to talk about um, he's proclaiming to, to the pe- God's people who they are because of Christ, giving them the virtues of Christ to put on like clothes, and not leave, he doesn't leave them up to, to them to do it. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, singing hymns, psalms, and spiritual songs. And the picture I used was a windmill. Like, how can we expect ourselves to turn and be like Christ if we don't have the wind, if we don't have the word of Christ in our lives as well, whether it's being proclaimed to us from our neighbor, proclaimed to us from our pastor, whether we're singing it in these different ways of, of, of giving praise to God in the Psalms or in the hymns or spiritual songs. We need this word of Christ in us to continue this resolve that God has placed in us. Um, and, and God in his word has promised that he's going to work through this word to give us resolve to be the people that he has called us to be. Whether we'll ever get there is not really the question because he, he ends it off by saying whatever you do in word or deed. He's not saying, well, eventually when you get perfect, when you eventually when you get your life all together. No, he's just saying whatever you do, uh, as imperfect as it may be, uh, as not living up to the standard of Christ as it might be, uh, you're doing it in the name of, of Jesus Christ. You're doing it uh, according to his will, in his place, with his clothes, in his cause, this is all in his name, not our name. And then at the end, where it says, giving thanks to God the Father through him, is a reminder, it's always through Christ, uh, through his word and his sacraments, giving himself to you, giving you his clothes to wear. Um, and that's why we can have a resolve. That's why we have a new resolve. Not that we can. We have a new resolve uh, because of Christ. You hit almost every single point. Yeah. In that text, that is uh, impressive. Yeah, it, it was. It was like I really, you could really spend a lot of time just looking at all of those um, declarations and seeing how they enable the Christian to do what he's asking them to do. You know, God, you're elect, you're holy, you're loved, um, you are forgiven, just as Christ forgave you. You have peace with God. Um, you have love. The one. All of these things are, um, and the word. You have all of these things and how those things interplay with one another in all of those virtues that he talks about. You could really spend a lot of time on that. And I just scratched the surface on that. No, but you, I mean, you, you did go through and walk them through the text, even if you scratched the surface and, and you kind of highlighted each of the sections, um, which, you know, every sermon you have a, you, you, you try to get a focus, um, but I think that just is a beautiful way to tie everything into to your people to have them be able to approach Paul's words, which are hard in them of themselves. Paul is, you know, he he kind of is thinking up here while the rest of us are way down there. <laughs> um, and so and and so he, you know, being able to try to bring that in and say, you know, when he says these things and we look at them as law, these are really these are really the gospel right? Indicatives. This is God proclaiming over us what we are already. Um, and just how beautiful that is, um, coming into the new year. Yeah. I, there was one text that I, I shared with my son cause he's in second year Greek. I said, you know, a lot of these verbs that you saw in there was present tense. You know how, how comforting that is because it's not like make your whole life be one of heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, but just right now, <laughs> you know, it's like don't don't think about oh man, I'm I'm not a, a humble person. I never was. Just think about right now, this instant, this moment that God has put there you, you in. There you are. There you are. And yeah, and and just and that's God isn't asking us to 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 come up with a a a, a, um, a resume of all the good things we've done for Him because they're not. It's never going to be good enough. 
but he's instead he's equipping us, giving us Christ. Here it is. Now live as my as my children in this world. And um, yeah, that's all he's asking. He's not asking for a, a, a litany of, of results. He's just asking us to live in Christ and yeah. through him, live through him. Yeah, it's it's interesting also when you look at that, you know, just like in the case of like humility, um, he's not saying be humble at your core. He's saying, you know, clothe yourself with the actions of humility. Um and, and those actions of humility will flow out from you, whether you feel humble in yourself or not. Um, and that, that is just a, a, a beautiful and powerful, you know. Yeah, kind yeah. Of statement. Yeah, exactly. All these virtues are not found within our human heart. Um, they're not found naturally within us. They're something that God is, has to give us. And, hence uh, the clothe yourself. Hence the clothe yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because we already know what flows from the heart, right? <laughs> yeah, Jesus said about something about that one time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, beautiful, beautiful sermon. What a blessing your people had to hear such wonderful things to, to be encouraged into the new year. Um, you know, as 2024 will will be a lot of long suffering and a lot of bearing with people as, as you know, the elections are going to be Rating yeah. and people are going to be so divided. Um, hey, guess what? You have heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility. These are yours now, um, right now, for today and for tomorrow here in Christ. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. And peace. Peace is yours. So is there anything you wish you'd have spent more time on or were you left out? Um. I mentioned a little, uh, before how just the interplay of all of the ind- indicatives and the imperatives and like how is and trying to show like you can be kind because you're reminded that you are you're you're set apart you're holy um you can look at all three of those things that uh, your god has chosen you through the gospel you are set apart he has uh has loved you now now you have some someone in your life where you're, you're called to be kind to that person in some way shape or form and to be reminded, like, you say to yourself, well, that's, I don't want, you have your sinful nature asserting itself and saying, I don't want to be kind. They're never kind to me. You know, that's not how people act. But then you realize, no, you are set apart. You're set, you're different than the rest of the world. You, you're like, you, you're like Christ to that person who Christ is different than the rest of the world. And so just stuff like that, where you could really, you could spend a lot of time on, and like I said, the peace of Christ that is such a, um, for me, a very comforting thing, just because of at the end of the at the end of a lot of my days, I'm thinking, could I have done more? I could have done more, but then it's peace of Christ, control your hearts, which has the idea of an umpire, a referee in a sporting event. So when the umpire says you're out of bounds, you're out of bounds, whether you agree with it or not, but that's the final say. And so the peace of Christ is the one that says you have peace with God. So for the the conscience that's torn apart and saying, boy, I really. God gave me this opportunity today to be kind or or to be gentle and patient, and I I messed it up, and and uh, here or I didn't do it as well as I could have done it. Here, peace of Christ. You have peace with God, not through what your obedience, but through Christ and what He has done for you. Stuff like that. In other words, a Bible study, which you really can't, you don't have time for. <laughs> well, you could have. I mean, I could have. You have forty five minutes. I mean, where else are they going to go on New Year's Eve? I mean, what? You know, you're, you're cutting out Absolutely. one service. We cut out one service. So why don't we just have one service two hours long? And then we, yeah. Maybe we can totally do that. Verses of Sold. Above. <laughs> so really, you got an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah, she was teasing me because I sang. The, we sang what? from heaven above, and I was so excited because we were on 13, and I thought, maybe we'll get to all 15, and then she stopped playing at the end of 13, and I was like, come on. <laughs> I only had two left. We've come this far. One through thirteen. That wasn't enough. <laughs> you only did thirteen verses from heaven above. We only did thirteen. I yeah. mean, by the time you get to thirteen, you might as well go all the way and finish it. Yeah, that was my toughen up a little. That was way. my personal disappointment in the service on Sunday. So that that took up fifteen minutes. Yeah, that was a dish. <laughs> <laughs> she played fast so it really yeah. was we were rocking it it was fun <laughs> it was, yeah. yeah all right well, i have a hard time sometimes getting four verses out of the yeah. congregation <laughs> well 
Well, we have we have well we had quite a few folks there. Yeah, it was communion during communion, so yeah. you know. Oh, so yeah, that is a perfect time to oh. sing that hymn yeah. during communion. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah. That'll pretty much take up the entire communion communion time. So Okay. Yeah. So let's move on. Jesus is gonna get yeah. older. Yeah, so I guess this is me, huh? All right. Well, here we are. I threw it up there for you. Um, so to give you a little bit of context, Jesus is in a place and he's talking to some people and uh, we're not exactly sure the place he's in, but uh, um, he has a lot of people that are coming to him and asking him for advice. This is in the middle of his ministry where he's he's kind of uh, being viewed as the go-to guy. So he's very popular. He hasn't, hasn't kind of reduced his popularity yet. Um, and so... Uh, uh, that kind of leads into why people are approaching him with certain questions. And in this case, we have an individual who is going to approach him um, and and going to be looking at wanting Jesus to do what rabbis do, which is um, put their opinion in on how things should be handled between family affairs and, and political um, or governmental type uh, things. And so here we go. Um, so we just will... Um, yeah. Before you read, so how does that play with the other readings on that Sunday? What is the like the general theme going through? Uh, the general theme going through is reliance on 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 the Lord and okay. placing your. So the the whole general theme for this is actually a reading for um, the celebration of the new year. Um, this is the second set of the celebration of the new year. There's three that you had said, um, and and I had not preached on this one. Yeah. I thought, it, hey, this would be fun. Um, but the, the entire focus is really focused on on verse 21, which is storing up your riches, not in earthly things, but in in godly things. Um, I did. So I did like, yeah, I did like that there were other options out there instead of always preaching on the yeah. circumcision of Jesus, which isn't always a bad thing. But um, yeah, having something else to talk about, too. Good. Uh, so someone from the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, man, who appointed me to be a judge or an arbiter over you? Then he said to them, watch out and be on guard against all greed, because a man's life is not measured by how many possessions he has. He told them a parable. The land of a certain rich man produced very well. He was thinking to himself, what will I do? Because I do not have anywhere to store my crops. He said, this is what I will do. I will pull down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this night your soul will be demanded from you. Now who will get what you have prepared? That is how it will be for anyone who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So that's that's pretty much the text that that we're working with. Um, I uh, right off the bat when when you first take a, a running look at it, you're thinking God is talking about material things. He's going to talk about greed, right? Um, and uh, and. I'm not saying anybody would be wrong. There's a hundred different sermons in, 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 a, in a text that you could preach. And, and I'm sure the easiest place to go would be to say, hey, he's talking about greed. He's talking about possessions. He's talking about, um, you know, maybe a ninth and tenth commandment. Maybe he's talking a, a little bit about a seventh commandment issue. Um, but then you get into the, the parable that he gives. And, and in my Bible, I went and I circled all of the, the pronouns. And he says, I, one, so and then he says, because I do uh, have anywhere to, he says this I, so one, two, three, what, four, five, six times he says I. Um, and and uh, it led me in my studies, I'm thinking, you know, this is an I problem. This is not just a greed problem. And then when you, you expand it out and you look at the entirety of chapter 12, um, God's not just dealing with greed. He's dealing with worry. He's dealing with anxiety. He's dealing with with um, a heart of service. And so he's he's really focusing an entire lesson that comes from this question of this man who says, um, who feels entitled, who feels like I have been cheated and that I need to get more and my brother should give what I what I deserve. And he 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 decides to have an entire section of pretty much a sermon that deals about all of the things that the ego gets caught up in. And, and so um, my sermon theme was very simply, we have an eye problem. Um, 
And, and I started it all out with, with just taking a look at um, this idea of self-focus and self-centeredness, um, which, is, which is really, we don't call it self-centeredness anymore necessarily in society. We call it self-focus and, and that we, we try to put things towards like self-care. Right, we we wanted self care. We got to take care of ourselves, um, and and we have our self interests, and we have all of these different things. And and I said they're not necessarily bad, but I said it's all part of this whole where where we have taken our view and we have turned it in, and and instead of looking out, we've turned it in. And and I said this is uh this is the problem of our our sinful nature. Our sinful nature. Um, is inverted upon itself. And so it always wants to curb everything towards itself. And I, and I, I had mentioned, you know, this affects our relationships. It affects our health. It affects everything that is in society, everything that is around us because everything turns in. And I had been reading a, a medical journal that I had found on, on the government website, uh, their library website. And the medical journal had said that, that uh, the number one cause or one of the greatest contributing causes to uh, depression in the United States and one of the greatest causes to anxiety that we're, we're facing in the United States is this self-focus. They said the higher a self-focus is, the more apt you are to be depressed and the more apt you are to be become very anxious. Um, and, and I see the, the correlation. And I said, welcome to the conversation that Jesus is having in chapter 12, I said, this is the conversation Jesus is having as he's, he's dealing with people whose, whose sinful nature has turned in on themselves. And they're so self-focused and self-centered that they, they are no longer looking outside. They're no longer looking at the blessings that have been given to them and the abilities that have been given them to live for other people and to live freely in, in, a, in a life that is given back to them that they now are so concerned about how everything affects them. So, so a person is no longer, what good can I do for them, but what good are they to me? And I said, and, and so much so that even Forbes, um, the week right before the new year, Forbes released you know um, the top five uh, predictions of of what uh, New Year's resolutions were going to be, and one is how can I get fit? How can I eat better? How can I make my my finances better? How can I enjoy my free time more? How can I get more vacation? All of them have an eye problem. It's it's how is it this New Year's resolutions, the things that we're going into? How can I get more for me? And I said, and it, and it affects our our walk with our Lord, because when and then I, I kind of pointed to the congregation. I said, you know, these pews used to be filled. I said they built this church this size not because they were hoping that someday if we build it they will come, but because this is the size they filled it. It was there. But I said, what happened is, is that as as people started to live their life and they started to look at the things they wanted and looked at the things that they thought they should have and looked at the things that they wanted God to do when they prayed to God and they demanded it from the Lord and the Lord said, it's not good for you. So when they got sick and they said, Lord, heal me, and the Lord didn't, and he allowed them to, to go through that turmoil or when they wanted that promotion and the Lord said, no, it's not good for you, and they didn't get what they wanted they started falling away because what good is God if he's not going to give to them what they want? Because it's all about me. And I said, we become that idol. The idol is, you know, that, that, that everyone gravitates to is me. And I said, but not your idol isn't me, it's you. <laughs> because the greatest idol is me, myself, and I. And I said, this is the I problem. And you see it. In, and I went back to the text and I said, you, and, and the Lord, he attacks it. And I know he, he mentions be, beware of greed. And greed is just an, a symptom of, of the I problem. I don't have enough. I need more for my life. So I have to get more toys. I have to fill a void that is in me that is the sinking hole that keeps sucking in more stuff because I'm never satisfied. 
And so the Lord, he says, I'm going to tell you a parable. And the very parable is a parable of a guy who, who's who been richly blessed. He's been given everything. He has more than what he needs. And instead of saying, how can I help someone else? How can this be a benefit for, for the world in which I'm in? He only says, how can I benefit from it? I need to build more. I need to do more. I need to save more. I need to relax. In fact, he even turns in and I, I kind of made a joke and I said, sometimes, you know, since I'm in the basement of the church and no one comes to visit me and they don't let me out except for once a week, I said, sometimes the, the only intelligent conversation that I have is with myself. And I said, and, and so he talks to himself as well in the parable. He says to his soul, soul, this is good. You know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do this for myself. And, and I said, then this is how we live our life. And, and notice what happens. Things are called from him, right? The Lord calls the very soul that he, he thought he had everything right with. He, he calls the very soul of the person, the life of the person that he all thought was in order and everything was great. And, and the Lord says, you foolish person, because all of the things, all of the stuff, all of the, 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 things you've attracted to try to fill that void of who you are means absolutely nothing if you have no stake in me. And, and so there's this beautiful, like that's, that's the law. <laughs> you, you've tried to fill the void, the, the cross shaped void in your heart with yourself yeah, and not with God. And, and then I, I kind of went from there right into, um, but notice that's not how our Lord is. I said, he gave up himself. He gave up heaven. I said, I said, how many of you would give up heaven for someone like you? (laughs) I mean, you know yourself better than anyone else. Would you, if you were perfect, say I would give up heaven to go back to that. And we would say, absolutely not. And yet, and yet the creator of all, the one who, who is the word made flesh, he gave it up to dwell among sinful people and not only to dwell among sinful people, but to, to work among sinful, sinful people, to walk with sinful people, to hug them and love them and to touch them and interact with them and to give to them everything that they need for those people who think only of themselves and not of anyone else. In fact, when, when he was among us, they didn't think of him. They thought of what can you give to me? What place can I have in your kingdom? What can you do to, to help me in my case? I'm hungry, feed me. I'm sick, heal me. I have I have demons who torment me, chase them away. Um, I have a government that I don't like. Fix it for me. And and I said, and yet he comes and 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 he lives and he walks to the cross. And on the cross, where he has every opportunity to say, This is not good for me, this is bad for me, this hurts me, and my self-care, this isn't very good. He says, Father, forgive them. And then when he rises, he doesn't say, see, I told you so, focus on me. He says, peace be with you. And, and I said, and where do we get this peace? And how does this come to us? And how does this focus on God's kingdom become a thing? And, and I turned around because we were having communion. And I said, it starts here. It starts here as, as once again, our Savior gives his body and his blood for you. As the one who was made flesh and born in a manger at that night that wasn't so silent. And, and as the angels had ripped open and said, now peace dwells upon earth for our Savior has been born to you. It is Christ the Lord. That Savior is here for you now and he gives himself to you and he changes your life so that you focus not on yourself, but focused on him. And and then I said, and as he continued through that sermon, I said, it's not part of the readings. I said, I'm not, I'm, <laughs> I'm not trying to scare you, but I said, he continues that sermon and the sermon continues with, don't worry about your, your, your life. Don't worry about the things. Don't be anxious about what's going on because God knows that you need all of these things. And he says, so first continue to seek the kingdom of God and all of these things will be given to you. Be prepared and ready for service. And this is, this is the gift, right? That, that through God's word and through his sacraments, through the, the child born for us in the manger, uh, we are prepared and ready for service and it changes our resolutions. And it changes who we are from the inside out. And I said, I said, no longer, even though we struggle, no longer do we want to just focus on us, but we say, okay, this next year, how can I help someone else? What, what can I do for them? What can I do more for my family? What can I do more for my spouse? What can I do more for my business and the people that are around me? What can I provide for them as the Lord is providing for me? And that, that's, that's kind of where 
my sermon ended. Hey, I have two questions. Sure. First question, number, in verse 14, when he says, man who appointed me to be a judge or an arbiter over you, is that Jesus, is that like the first lolly, uh, first salvo where he says, uh, where's God in this? Like, God has appointed me to be a judge. Where is your relationship with God? And then he continues to be that? Or is this Jesus saying, uh, you're, so, you're 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 asking me about arbitrating about these little things, but I, I'm I'm actually a judge of a of a bigger court. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Um, so it's really interesting because there's two different opinions about that, um, and I did not focus on that in my sermon specifically. Sure. I mentioned it very briefly and I moved on. Um, but but there's two different opinions on it, and and I'm not necessarily settled on either one. So the first opinion of it is um, he is removing himself. And removing himself from the image that people had of um, a Pharisee, or, uh, of, of the Pharisee and the Sadducees, who were very, very much steeped in the political, governmental structure of the Jewish people, and that they were the the people who were educated, they were the people who who knew the law, and so they were the uh, specifically the law of Moses, and they would be the ones who would be the arbiters of of these disputes. So if someone didn't feel they got a good, uh, a fair shake, they would come to the church, right? Mm -hmm. They'd come to these holy men and they would, they would sit as the judge and the arbiter of, of this argument. So there, on the one hand, um, many commentators are saying, okay, Jesus is, is letting them know I'm removing myself from the, this earthly concept of I'm going to solve your problems and I will tell you what to do and you'll just do them. Um, and that'll be what it is. Now, on the other side, there is the this is this is Jesus saying, you know, ultimately, I'm not the judge. Um, and some people have said this is maybe him referring, you know, you need to go to the father for this one. This is this is now I have a problem with that because. What is what is the Lord say? You know, I have placed everything under his feet. <laughs> he is the judge. <laughs> so so that would that would kind of discredit um, the 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 resurrected Lord and who who now takes his seat uh, at the right hand of the Father and he judges all things and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. Um, yeah, he is the judge. So I'm I'm kind of not necessarily on that one. I, I I do I haven't settled it completely in my mind. I like to gravitate towards the first and say that he's just he's removing himself by saying I'm I'm not going to be this arbiter on political things. Or on 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 how government should be done. I'm going to talk to you about your spiritual problem, and your spiritual problem is far worse than whether or not you got a few pittance in in the inheritance. Okay, so and when we look uh, at go ahead, Dave. when we look at general rules of, of biblical interpretation, you know the, the second one is something that sounds nice. That, that Jesus is pointing them towards the Father, but there's nothing in the context to support right. that. And right. and that's why we would avoid that. You know, he doesn't mention the Father. He doesn't talk about the Father. And it, it, it's something that comes from this habit that people have of trying to add to the text, of trying right. to sound wise, of trying to build things up. Well, I also think it also is this impression that we have that every time that Jesus spoke, it automatically had a spiritual context. Um, yeah. And sometimes Jesus spoke to the physical happenings of the world around him. Um, yeah. And and ultimately what you're turning his words then into then is an allegory. Right. You know, when he says judge or arbiter, he doesn't really mean judge or arbiter. Well, Go with what he says. Go with the words he uses. You know, and so when he says, who appointed me to be a judge or an arbiter, he's asking the guy a legitimate question. You know, right? who made me that? How is that my position? You know, and, and deal with the words as they are in the text as it is. Yeah. And, and so, yes, I would lean towards the first one because there's nothing in the context for the second one. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah, I just, it is interesting. And and again, it's thank you very much for keeping us grounded in the text, but is that is that just like an introduction to the whole concept of you you don't have a relationship with God. That relationship with God is 
isn't there. So is it a rhetorical question or a real question? Is it rhetorical in that he says, who appointed me to be judge or arbiter over you? Jesus knows the answer, and the answer is God. And this man this man isn't even thinking about that. He's, he's, he's so focused on the eye. But um, there, I think it's both. You just have to remember not to take a shortcut to get there. Sure. You know, that he recognizes, hey, this guy doesn't understand who I am. And so I've got a first. Oh, there say, you go. Yeah. You know, you, your problem is you're focused on the earthly stuff and you do not see the son of God incarnate in front of you. And this is what you're missing. And and so and so you don't see anything. You've missed all of it. And so you have a problem with God. You do not see the father. You do not see the son. And, and so he's got to start from that very basic level of who appointed me as a judge or an arbiter so that he can then build from there to his relationship to God and the father. And, and, and so you take the words as they are and recognize yeah. He's going to build there, but you got to start with that first step of the guy's an idiot. Well, and and before I would say that he's an idiot, I, I, I definitely would agree that, you know, he is thinking only of the I and he's thinking only of myself. But you also, you, you go to the, you know, beginning of 12 and... And you have this conversation that kind of leads up to this. And one of the one of the conversations that lead up to this is is Jesus actually saying, "Don't worry about what you're going to say uh, before the authorities, because the Holy Spirit's going to give you the words to say what you need to say before the authorities." And so He gives this idea of of His connection with God, the connection of being able to talk with authorities and and on that level of the authorities. I'm not saying that that the guy's focus wasn't right because it wasn't. He he had not been hearing what what Jesus has been saying before. But I, I think you can you can get this idea that if if you are a person, I guess in my mind, I think if 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 you are presenting yourself as a person who can talk with those who are in authority, you must be an authority unto yourself. And and I I I you know I you see that. I, I give him a little bit of a leeway because you see that with with people uh, who come to us um, and as pastors, and they'll say, um, "Pray for me for this," and you're like, "Well, you can pray for that too." And they're like, "Yeah, but you have more clout, or you, you know, God, ha- you have God's ear, or um, you know, people who will come and they'll say, Pastor, fix this for us,' or they'll." Well, why why are you asking me to do that? Because you are a holy man. You have, you know, uh, more training, you, whatever the case may be. You can understand where this guy is coming from in that regard, um, where, where he's looking at Jesus and he's saying, you know, this Jesus guy is pretty important. You know, he, he, he stands up and talks to Pharisees on the same level, if not more. Um, he's not afraid to go against the synagogue. Um, in fact, he's read in the synagogue, so he has a pace of authority. Um, you can see where he would look at that. Yeah, and I completely agree with that. I would just say that as Jesus is addressing that that problem, you know, he's got to elevate this guy's idea of what is his need for salvation. That okay, you're you're asking me for a solution to an earthly problem when your real issue is your problem with God and you're standing before God. And so and so stop looking at me as an earthly arbitrator. Oh, I agree with you hundred percent. And then he moves on into look at your problem with God. And then and so we we see both of those in there. We just don't want to miss a step in in how Jesus solves that problem. And I agree. And and he 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 kind of wraps it all down. And 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 in his continuing line of thought, I mean, he really hits all those points because he he starts saying, okay, your your idea of wanting and needing possessions, then your idea of looking only at yourself and being anxious because you don't have. Um, and he he solves all of those issues by saying. Your relationship with your heavenly Father, your your spiritual relationship through me with Him, is is all that you will need because your heavenly Father knows everything that you will need, and He will provide it just like He did with the man. He had everything; he he had it all. But yep, 
he wanted more. My second question was in verse 19 where he says, I will tell my soul. I thought I remember somewhere. Is this in this one or is it in uh, one of the other uh, texts where it uses the Greek word for prayer that he's praying to himself? Or is that a, yes. a euphemism for that he's instead of praying to God, he's praying to himself? Yeah, so it is a euphemism. Uh, it is a um, he is meditating upon himself. Um, it's not necessarily prayer, but it's the idea that he is meditating upon himself. Um, and, he, and yeah. So, okay. Yeah. All right. So he is, he is like you said, he made himself his own idol. So he's right. going to meditate. I got to meditate, have a spiritual conversation with the only person that is worth talking to, and that is me. And so, yeah, right. he made himself his own idol. Okay. Yeah, that was my yeah. two questions. And I really thank you for bringing in the gospel from the from the context of the, the following verses of the father taking care of you. That was, I really, I thought that was well done because there wasn't really any gospel to be found in the text. It was all being rich toward God. Well, well, what is that? And how do you define that? Well, you define it by, by dwelling well, on what of, the father has done for you. Yeah. It, it is one of those things where, where, and I, I'm not the writer of the pericope. I don't, say where to divide and and things like that but in this case it's one of those where where you you cut it in the middle of a sermon and i mean this jesus had a lot more to say <laughs> and the gospel comes out after he gets his point across of this is what we're struggling with right and i mean he goes right from there into struggling with worry i mean his his lead in line right after he says being rich with god he says for that reason i tell you stop worrying about your life and about what you will eat and about your body and what you will wear and then he, <laughs> he, he so i mean it's going right from greed to anxiety and worry and and he's like okay we have all these things that i that i need to i want to talk about and then he brings up your heavenly father already knows and and so don't worry about that um, and, and, and so I think, you know, if, if I was going to add to the pericope, I probably would have added verse 30. I think it's, a, I think it's verse 30, verse 31. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. No, it's, uh, uh, verse 30 to be sure the nations of the world chase after all of these things, but your father knows that you need them. And then verse 31 instead, continue to oh, seek the go. kingdom yeah. of God and all of these things will be added to you. Yeah. Um, you know, those would have been some some great addition if just to just to culminate in his his gospel refreshment after you know the the law is saying well seek first the kingdom of god how do i do that well god knows you need all of these things <laughs> and and so he does it for you right so which i highlighted in here's the here's the sacrament of the altar right you know, how can I continue to be seeking the kingdom of God? Here you go. Body and blood of Christ. As well as the word. Yeah. As well as the word, sacramental preaching. Well, there's my sermon. So there we go. And this is the end of the show. Thank you very much for for being with us here. Three different guys, three different texts, three different Sundays, even, but the same Jesus who has come and dwelled among us as a little baby to grow up and to live a perfect life and then also die for us and for our salvation. And because of him, we can live. And we don't live just for ourselves, but we live for others. We don't just live uh, under a covenant of that 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 uh, burdens us, but under a covenant of God's one-sided Abrahamic covenant where God has done all the work of our salvation and then says, go live, uh, serve your neighbor. <laughs> 